Welcome back to Europe now from Spain. As you can see, the sun is back. We are back in Palma, the capital of Mallorca, and I'm standing right in front of the spectacular cathedral. It's about 700 years old. It's the second biggest cathedral in all of Spain. And it is, of course, one of the sites that is most visited on these islands by the hundreds of thousands of tourists who normally pass through here. Now, of course, they've not been here for quite some time. Nobody's exactly sure when they will be back. Let's go now and get a, another view on this pandemic from a man who used to be president of these islands, now a member of the opposition. Hello, my name is José Ramón Bauza. I'm member of the European Parliament for the New Europe and Ciudadanos. I am the former president of these lovely islands that are the Balearic one, Mallorca, Menorca, Ibiza and Formentera. The impact of the pandemic has been absolutely dramatic because here everything is dependent on tourism. And with the lockdown, many, many of the possibilities of, of, of the economy to flow has been absolutely closed. But the, the way of how being managed, I think it's so, yes, it's so important. For example, the central government, who's taking the first time the decision, it decided to, to, to have a, a very strict lockdown. The, the stricter uh, in the whole Europe. And if you see the figure, you can say, well, you have the, the stricter lockdown. Is what it is supposed you have the lowest figure, but it's not. You have the, the, the higher one. What this does mean? That the decision was not the, the, the best. One area where the Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez has had success, arguably, is in terms of the EU recovery fund. He argued very strongly for this fund to be there, for it to be big and ambitious, for there to be joint borrowing by the EU states on the international markets. Uh, and Spain is set to be the second biggest recipient of those funds uh, when they come through. How optimistic are you about Spain's recovery based on this? But what is important with the recovery funds? The recovery funds had to be uh, presented before April the 30th, and we still don't know which kind of project had to be presented because it has been, this, the management is done by the central government without any transparency and we don't know. Obviously these islands are a beautiful place to come on holiday but has this pandemic perhaps shown up that they are a little too dependent on tourism for their economies? I have always said I don't need to to have thousand or million tourists every day but I want to have the best of them very high level and give possibility to the economy to grow up mm -hmm. but there is another important thing. I presented to the European Commission some months ago a program in order to, to give the possibility to people for teleworking here. If you are thinking that this is the paradise for you, why don't we offer the paradise for people to work here? And this is one of the possibilities so, so important that you can live here and even you can have your work in your country. But by teleworking, this is a big possibility and this can balance as well, not only the tourism sector, but for the, give more possibility to the people who are living here. Stay with us for a minute. While we're talking about people moving around, let's watch a report that's on that uh, topic. Uh, our reporter, Luke Brown, has been to one very particular region of Europe where the rules on that are changing, and it's not to do with COVID. It's actually to do with Brexit. Take a look. Since January the 1st, Antonio Morodo's daily commute has become more unique. Every day, he leaves the European Union. For the past four years, he's been working in the care sector across the border in Gibraltar, where wages are up to 20% higher. Yes, I can find this job in Spain, but you know, less money and less material, less everything. For the 15,000 EU workers who cross this border every day, Brexit had become a potential nightmare. 
An 11th hour deal struck in December between Spain, Gibraltar and the UK to keep the border open came as a huge relief. If the border is closed, it's disaster for, the, for this area, for everybody, for Gibraltar, for the campus of Gibraltar and from the, work, and for, from the work. At the end of a six-month transition period, the current temporary deal will see Gibraltar become part of the EU's Schengen zone, guaranteeing freedom of movement of people, vital given 40% of its workforce lives in Spain. In neighbouring La Linea, where local businesses depend on the rock for a third of their trade, the deal is cause for celebration. We only expected trouble after the Brexit, and the situation changed so dramatically in our favour that, you know, we, we, we wanted to drink champagne or whatever. La Linea and Gibraltar may be close neighbours, but their economies are very different. Unemployment is virtually unheard of on the rock, but is close to 30% on the Spanish side. For the local authorities, the Spanish government has used them as a pawn to further Spanish sovereignty demands on Gibraltar at La Linea's expense. Sometimes we feel like a football between two governments. But this time, it really seems like they're looking out for the interests of the real people, made of flesh and blood, that live here. The Schengen deal coincides with the Covid crisis, meaning the border is now closed to everyone except local workers, and we can't film on the other side. Hola. Uh, if you uh, go into the Gibraltar, <laughs> do no come back Spain. Having voted against Brexit by 96%, Gibraltar now hopes the deal is the best of both worlds, an open border and a chance to reset relations with Spain. But for the Gibraltarian government, those upsides can't come at the expense of the ROC's sovereignty. Gibraltar will remain British because you know, doing an arrangement on giving business efficacy to, to immigration and to the movement of goods is not going to change who we are. It's not going to change what we want to be, and it's not going to change how we think. And I can tell you that in the fibre of our being, every Gibraltarian is British. But sources of potential friction remain. The deal means EU border guards will oversee entry into Gibraltar's air and sea ports for at least the next four years, and the Schengen status spells the end for this long-standing physical fence between the two sides. In 2018, France 24 met local historian Tito Villejo-Smith. He remembers when Spain closed the border in 1969 and doesn't doubt tensions could be reignited. It all aims to, to their sovereignty claim, and, and we won't allow that. They're now saying that they want to uh, tear down the border, the, the, the fence, they want to tear it down. We don't want any borders. Now, that fence is British, not Spanish. The current, in principle, agreement needs to be ratified in a permanent treaty between the UK and the EU. For now, the biggest impact of Brexit in Gibraltar is potentially a closer relationship with Europe than ever before. Just picking up on that theme about Gibraltar joining the Schengen area in that uh, deal that was struck at the end of 2020, do you feel that Gibraltar should be part of Spain? Well, we, we, or we will fight for that because 300 years ago it's supposed to, that to happen with a, with a signer treaty. But I think it had to be, we had to do the things very well done. And first of all, we had to, we had to think in people for both territories because we are now in given the first steps and we are uh, constructing a new deal and working for that and who knows in the future but as a Spanish I have to say that Gibraltar is always Spanish for us. 
Now, just on a topic that's been out of the news headlines somewhat recently, but is still massive here in the Mediterranean, irregular migration into the EU. Uh, there is a new EU policy that's meant to be coming into force. Uh, do you feel that it will be effective? What is happening in Spain is that uh, the, the national and the regional government, they don't take seriously this situation, and the mafias have taken advantage in that. We have to be responsible, because if you don't uh, realize that Spain is, is the door, the main door from people from the south or from Africa, in this case, we want to do a good job together. And this is so, so important so that the, some member states think about that. Jose Ramon Valsadias, thank you so much for your time. to meet one final political guest now, the Secretary General of the Partido Popular here in the Balearic Islands. That's the centre-right party in Spain. Tony Fuster, thanks for being our guest. Hello, thank you. I'd like to ask you first, just briefly, your assessment of the impact of the pandemic on these islands. Here in the Balearics, things have not gone well. To make a comparison, the pandemic has hit Spain hard, and overall unemployment went up by 20%. In the Canary Islands, it went up 24%. Here in the Balearics, it's increased by 60%. The Canaries and the Balearics are very similar autonomous regions. Both live off tourism and both are geographically far from the Iberian Peninsula. Here, the measures taken by Pedro Sanchez and by Francina Armengol, the head of the Balearic regional government, have not improved our economic situation at all. I know that your Partido Popular is asking that the vaccination campaign here in the Balearic Islands be accelerated so that 70% of the population be vaccinated before the month of June. Why is that? It's fundamental for us. As an autonomous region, we have to be a safe destination for our tourist visitors, French, German and British people. Anyone who comes here has to feel that the Balearics are a safe destination. That's why we think that if 70% of our population is vaccinated, then the tourists will come. I'm of course well aware that health has to come before the economy, but we also have to know that without the economy, there's no health. It's obviously very important here in the islands to get the tourism economy going again. But is it fair on the rest of Spain to have a faster vaccination campaign here? It's not about saying some people have priority over others. When I ask for us to vaccinate 70% of our population here, it's not to say that we shouldn't be vaccinating in the Canary Islands, in Andalusia or in Madrid. I just think that Spain should be able to vaccinate 70% of its population in a reasonable time frame. Stay with us. I just want to watch a quick report together about another topic that's been very important for Spain for many, many years. We're talking about irregular migration on another set of tourist islands uh, many kilometres from here, the Canaries. Undocumented migrants have continued to arrive in their thousands throughout 2020. Anais Guerra reports. Gran Canaria, hotels stretching as far as the eye can see, but only 10% of the island's 145,000 beds are occupied. This is usually high season. When I see how empty everything is, I feel like crying. 
COVID has created an unprecedented economic crisis. That crisis coincides with another, a huge influx of immigrants, 17,000 in total last year. The Canary Islands government asking the tourist sector to help, and the Red Cross has set up emergency centres to house 7,000 new arrivals. When you get into the boats, you have one foot in the world of the living and one with the dead. We do it because of poverty. We found the Red Cross here. They understand our plight. And there's no racism. People don't perceive us badly. The local authority is paying 45 euros a night per person. It helps about a dozen hotel owners pay their bills while throwing a lifeline to needy immigrants. Like the Red Cross, they aren't authorised to speak to us, so we have to film discreetly. 90% of the south of the island, the hotels are closed. There's thousands of people sleeping on a concrete floor. And as a hotelier, I'm able to get people back to work. So it's a win-win system not as far as the Las Palmas Hotel Federation is concerned. We think this is going to put a lot of tourists off coming back. Today, people have to choose between opening for migrants or for tourists. And we don't think we should forget that our job is to welcome tourists. Tom takes us to one of the few hotels that still has holidaymakers. If I'd been asked back in September if I could offer short-term humanitarian aid, I'd have done it. But now that the months are going by and I see that far from solving the problem nationally, we're being left to cope alone as businesses, I would say a big no. The military has set up temporary camps to help, but only two out of the planned eight centres have opened, raising concerns there's no long-term plan for the tourist sector or the migrant crisis. That report from our Spain correspondent, Tony Fuster, thanks for staying with us. I want to ask you, is this a good solution uh, to use hotels temporarily to house these undocumented migrants? It's not a real solution. It's just a sticking plaster, because it can work for a limited time, but it can't be a definitive solution. There are other solutions, like we in the Partido Popular put forward, both here in the islands and at a national level. We need to have a real immigration policy for our country, and I think that our country and our Prime Minister, Pedro Sánchez, should push for an overarching immigration policy within the European Union. Because immigration has a significant impact in Spain and because we're on the outer border, we're the entry door for Africa into Europe. How do you differentiate the Partido Popular policies from those of the more far-right party, Vox, very anti-migration and has been gaining in support? I think we should tackle the topic of immigration without turning to populism, neither left-wing populism, nor far-right populism. Our proposition says immigration, yes, but done in an orderly way and according to labour market prospects. We can't just tell everyone to come here. We can't take everyone in. But we can't shut Spain's borders either, not while we live in this world and in this period in time. Looking to the future, there's no guarantee that tourism is going to come back to the levels it was at before the pandemic. With that in mind, 
What should Mallorca and the Balearics be doing? In Mallorca, in the Balearic Islands, we've been talking about diversifying our economy for some time to make it not totally dependent on tourism. But we have to be clear on one point. Tourism is our strength, our comparative advantage, if we're talking in economic terms. But we shouldn't be naive either. It won't happen in one year, or two, or three. It'll take decades. Tony Fester, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Well, it's here on this uh, lovely, golden, but rather empty, sandy beach close to Palma that we will say goodbye to you all. The locals here enjoying a bit of peace, tranquility and space for now, but very much hoping that the tourists will be coming back before too long. We hope to see you again soon as well for another edition of Europe Now on France 24.